As Christians, if we believe Scripture, then we know that our way is the only way to heaven. If we believe what Scripture says, then anyone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus will spend an eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. But did you know, even within Christianity, we always can't agree? Did you know that? Within Christianity, there are approximately 43,000 different denominations that believe different things about Christianity. See, truth is, even Christians can't agree on what to believe. But did you know that we have let some things that aren't into the Bible slip into our understanding of the Bible? Unfortunately, there are erroneous beliefs about God and Christianity that have snuck their way into modern, modern culture. These popular phrases or ways of thinking are in direct conflict with what Scripture actually teaches. We're going to look at some different phrases that the Bible doesn't actually say and comparing them to what the Bible does say. This week we're going to focus on the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. There we go. God helps those who help themselves. Have you ever heard this phrase? Most of us have heard it. Preachers have said it. Teachers, parents, even politicians have made this statement. Check out this video. Referenced the House action yesterday on the um, In God We Trust motto and said, I trust in God, but God wants to see us help ourselves by putting people back to work. Um, I mean, isn't it a bit much to bring God into the jobs debate? <laughs> well, I believe uh, the f- phrase uh, from the Bible is the Lord helps those who help themselves. And I think the, the point the president is making is that, uh, you know, we should we have it within our capacity to do the things to help the American people. And uh, that's why he's uh, working so hard to get Congress to take action on the American Jobs Act and the provisions therein. Wow. God helps those who help themselves. Yet the crazy thing is it's not in the Bible. But how many people have ever quoted? Okay, be honest. How many in here have ever quoted that like it's in the Bible? Be real. All right. Look, several hands around the room have gone up. Why? Because that's what we've heard. So we just assume that what a pastor says on a Sunday morning is the gospel. But listen, what does Scripture tell us? That in the end times that there will be teachers and there will be false teachers here who will say the things that will tickle your ears. In other words, they're going to tell you the things you want to hear. And they're not going to tell you that sin is sin. I'm going to tell you, you live however you want, you'll still get to heaven. Listen, that doesn't agree with what Scripture says. God helps those who help themselves. You can look all you want. It's not there. You're not going to find it. Well, pastor, my old pastor said, well, guess what? I don't want to step on any toes, but your old pastor was wrong. Whoever your old pastor was, you can write him a letter, said that I was wrong, said that that wasn't in the Bible, because guess what? It's not there. Don't write your old pastor a letter telling me it was wrong. All right. But listen, we quote things as if it's true without checking the source of its validity. The truth is Christians are really bad about this. And it's never been more evident in the time than Facebook, right? Christians will share any kind of crazy story about there. The government's sticking chips in our arms and that's how we're going to have to pay for groceries tomorrow. Get in line down at CVS and Sherry's going to give them to us, right? And like people send all these crazy stories out on Facebook as if they're true and they're not even close to being true. We don't spend the time to fact check anything. Why? Because we live in this culture where we just want to get hyped up and get everybody scared and let's rally for something. But if we're going to rally for something, can I tell you, we need to rally on the right things. We need to rally on the things that matter to God. Can I tell you, I'm glad that we don't have a God who believes that God only helps those who help himself. 
Because the last time I checked is that God helps the helpless. If it was up to me to help myself when I couldn't help myself, there's no hope. If it was up to me to save myself when I needed saving, guess what? I can't be saved. If it is up to me to get my healing when I need a healing, guess what? I'll never be healed. But luckily, we serve a God who helps those who can't help themselves. Let's look and see what Matthew 6, 25 to 33 says. I'm reading today out of the New Living Translation. It'll be on the screen behind me. Verse 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Call all your work. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful, beautifully as they were. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it is alive. Lord, we thank you that you want to speak to us. So God, today we ask that our ears would be open. God, our hearts would be open to receive. God, our lives would be open to apply this in our lives this week. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Truth is that our modern our modern culture idolizes self-sufficiency, doesn't it? Everyone needs to take care of themselves. And not only does everyone need to take care of themselves, they need to take care of themselves first. You got to look out for number one. How many of you guys have ever been on the airplane? Whenever you're going through the procedures, and, and most of us truthfully are, are checking last-minute messages or checking up on Facebook or simply not paying attention to the flight attendant, they give you instructions that if all of a sudden, if you're in the cabin and the oxygen levels go low, what's going to pop down? The oxygen mask. And it tells you before you try and put the oxygen mask on your kids or by somebody next to you, the very first thing you got to do is secure the oxygen mask on yourself and then worry about everybody else why because if you pass out from a lack of oxygen you're going to be able to help anyone else no so there is a time and a place where you need to take care of yourself first there are some areas in your life where you need to put yourself first can i tell you one of the areas that you need to do that is in your relationship with god there is nothing that should take precedence or priority over your relationship with jesus not your wife not your husband not your children not your parents not your job Nothing should take the place of Jesus. But how easily do we allow something to sit on God's throne? Now, we don't actually say it out loud, Tina, I'm putting you before God this week because I really love you, right? If I said that to my wife, would, how, what would her response be? Don't do that, stupid. Hopefully she'd say it a little bit nicer than that, but you, you never know, right? No, she would say it nicer than that. But we'd never actually say that out loud, but the truth is we do it with our actions all the time. We put our work, we put our families, we put fun above God. The truth is that we have, became, we have become a very selfish culture. If we want it, we just go get it. If you don't have the money for it, put it on a credit card. If you ain't got money, if you don't have open room on a credit card, you know what you do? You borrow some money, you go to the bank, take out a loan, and then you can buy whatever it is you want instead of paying for it and affording it while you go. So what does it do? It makes us a slave to our job. 
And then what do we have to do? We have to work more hours so that we can pay our debts so that we can keep our stuff. Because if we don't pay our debts, then they come and take our stuff. And then we have to work more hours to get back the stuff that we just had because we like our stuff, right? That's the cycle that goes on if you don't if you're not careful. Truth is, this society tells you to focus on your needs before you focus on anybody else's. I had a friend who got some awful marriage advice and said, you need to make sure you're happy in your relationship with your spouse. Really? I didn't realize that marriage was about me. I thought marriage was about my spouse and about us doing this thing together, honoring Christ. But if I'm focused solely on me, how great of a relationship do you think I'm going to have with my spouse? Not a good one. You think it's going to make her want to stay? No. But we focus on us. I'll never forget as a kid, we grew up poor. And, you know, you've heard that phrase, you know, we were poor, but we didn't know it. We were so poor, we knew it. You know the kind of poor I'm talking about? Like, we, we had hand-me-downs. Like, if, if, if I was a kid now, I'd have been the coolest kid in school. Because back then, knees, like holes in the knees in your jeans meant that you were poor and your parents couldn't afford to get you jeans without holes in them. But now everybody would think I was really cool, but we knew it. And and everybody, luckily I was the oldest, so I always got the new stuff, but it wasn't like the name brand stuff. It was like whatever they could pick up at Kmart or the dollar store. That was back when when Walmart carried Reebok, when Reebok wasn't cool. Do you guys remember when Reebok wasn't cool? Reebok never was cool, but, but, but th- that's what we, we got. And they were $5 shoes from Walmart, and, and it was what we had. And I remember there, there were times when, when literally we had rice and beans over and over again. It's the reason that to this day I am not going to sit down and just eat some rice and beans because I had it so much growing up as a kid. I'm going, I can afford a dollar hamburger. I don't have to eat rice and beans anymore. But I remember there were times when the food was real scarce. And my brother and I always had enough to eat. I didn't realize until I was older that there were many times that my parents didn't eat so that my brother and I could eat. Parents, we do this with dessert a lot of times, don't we? If our kids want the last piece of cake, what parent goes, no, you can't have the cake, it's mine. <laughs> Chad is just going, that, that's me, right? But, but like parents don't do that. Why? Because we want our kids to have it. Now, maybe you're teaching them a life lesson, like you're not always going to get the last piece of cake, you little spoiled kid, and you eat it. You know, hey, look, that's between you and God. But, but most of the time, we don't do that with our kids. But we've lived in a society where everything has told us to focus on our own needs and take care of ourselves and look out for us, number one, doesn't matter about anyone else. The truth is, though, that God's plan is the exact opposite. See, we've got to focus on the kingdom first, and then God will take care of all of your necessities. When you focus on the kingdom, God takes care of your every need. The biblical truth that I get out of this is that following Jesus is about living a selfless life. It's about sacrifice. Did you know because I follow Jesus, there are just some things I don't do? Because I love Jesus, there are some things I don't do. I don't beat my wife. Somebody say amen. That's a good thing, right? You guys don't want a pastor that beats their wife, right? That'd be awful. You know what I also don't do? When I lose my cool, I don't cuss people out. That's good, right? When I lose my cool, I don't punch people in the face. Now in my head, they just got knocked out, right? But, but I don't do it anymore. Why? Because I'm trying to look more like Jesus each and every day. See, Scripture doesn't tell you not to get angry. It's okay to get angry, but it's not okay to get angry in sin. How many of you, your sp- no, don't raise your hand. This is in your head. Don't raise your hand. Listen, rhetorical question. That means don't raise your hand. Anybody clear that you're not supposed to raise your hand? 
Okay. Some of our spouses in here have told us that you've got an anger problem and you deny it. What would happen if you decided to get with God and let God deal with that anger so that it wasn't what fueled you anymore? Listen, if the littlest things set you off and they're like dumb things, guess what? You probably need to get some alone time in God's altar and let God begin to do his refining work in you. You see, because I love Jesus, there's things I don't do anymore. I don't go out drinking I don't go out and smoke and chew or go with women who do, right? Those of you who are old, remember that old saying? Not old, older is what I meant. Listen, the key to this passage is in verse 33, and it says this. Seek the kingdom above all else, and he'll give you everything you want. Right? Isn't that what it says? Seek God's kingdom, and he'll give you everything you want. No, wait, it says, seek God's kingdom first above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That's tough, isn't it? Because we seek God's kingdom, right? We do it in worship. Why do we worship? Because we're seeking God and we're, we're, we're worshiping God because he's worth it and we're going after it. And man, some people are like raising their hands, going after it. Some people are jumping. Some people are swaying. And then some people are looking like they're totally bored out of their mind. Look, I'm just telling you what I saw this morning. You know, if that's you, I'm not trying to step on your feelings. I'm just saying you're not worshiping. I'm going to get back to here. Listen, if we're focusing on seeking God, there will be nothing in life that we've got to worry about. If we seek God, there's nothing in life that we have to worry about. It. Anybody here a worrier? Why do you worry? Has worrying ever fixed anything? No, all it's ever done is given you an ulcer or a migraine or diarrhea. Worrying doesn't fix anything. The truth is, all it does is it makes you a nervous wreck. Look, you got kids that you've raised to do the right thing, and now maybe they're not living the way they should. Don't worry about it. Take it to God. Because listen, your worrying's not going to do anything about it. But guess what? Maybe God will. But if you don't ask Him, and all you do is worry, well, I can tell you this, your worrying's not going to change it. Second part of that verse says, and live righteously. You know what that means? Quit living like the world. Now look, I'm gonna, I may offend some people this morning, but if God's called us to live righteously and we still look like the world and people look at our lives and they can't tell that we love Jesus based on our actions, something's wrong. If you're talking about things that you don't need to be talking about, guess what? You're not living righteous. If you're laughing at jokes, whether inappropriate, racist, whatever it may be, just like everybody else, guess what? You're not living a righteous life. Does it mean that you never make mistakes? No, you're going to make mistakes. But there's something inherently different about somebody that is righteously living for Jesus. If you're out drinking on Saturday nights and getting drunk and having fun and then taking a couple of aspirin and drinking some water before you come to church on morning, guess what? You're in sin. Some people don't like that. Guess what? I don't care. Because Scripture says that drunkenness is a sin. So I'm not going to back away from what Scripture says. Man, you're looking at stuff on your phone or women. You're reading those saucy stories. You know the ones I'm talking about. Guess what? Scripture says that if you lust after a woman, then you have committed adultery in your heart. Women, if you're reading those sultry love stories, guess what? That's not real love. I don't know one man that can, can fulfill whatever that writer wrote about. Because there ain't no man that's that romantic and that good. There ain't no man that's that good looking. I mean, look, I take pride in myself, but I don't look as good as them guys in those stories. And your husband probably doesn't either. I mean, yours does. But, but listen, we live in this sick, twisted world where our whole view on relationships are twisted. Why? Because we've allowed the world to influence it instead of allowing God to influence it. If we live righteously, we quit reading the smut. 
Pastor Smuts Pornography. Yeah, it's pornography, but it's also those romance novels. I'm going to get back here, quit stepping on toes. And he will give you everything you need. Need. You know what I need? I need something to drink. Matter of fact, I lost my Sonic drink this morning. I don't even know where it is. It's in the sound booth. Awesome. There's not supposed to be drinks in the sound booth. I need something to eat. I need clothes to wear. And I need some type of shelter. Beyond that, everything else is wants. Well, pastor, I need AC. No, you want AC. Because for centuries, the human race has lived without AC. Now look, I'm not saying I don't want AC because it is Texas and it is hot and I want me some AC. But listen, I don't need AC. I need food to eat. But you know what I don't need? I don't need a number one at McDonald's, supersize, with an apple pie and some ice cream and some chicken nuggets to go with it. Now look, I'm not saying those things are bad. I mean, they're not good for you, but I'm not saying they're bad. But they're not needs. They're wants. How many of you have ever done this? You go into the house and you look in the pantry and then you look in the fridge and you look at it and you go, there is nothing to eat in this house. My wife has just gone shopping and I have looked and there is stuff everywhere. And I look in and I go, there is nothing to eat. Why did you not buy anything that we could eat? Right? We've all done that. Well, what did I really mean? Why didn't you buy anything I want? You see, the truth is even we as Christians sometimes have gotten our needs and our wants messed up. Do you know we don't even need a church building to meet in? Let's put it in perspective. There are churches going on right now, well, in Africa last night, that don't even have church building. In China, there are churches that meet in homes. There are churches that meet underground. There are churches that, that, that meet outside under a tree. We're out in the middle of the desert because that's where people live. Look, I'm not saying buildings are bad. Buildings are good. They help because people will congregate to a central location. But if it came down to it, could we keep having church without it? Yeah, we'd figure it out, wouldn't we? Is it awfully convenient that we don't have to move our stuff in and out every week? Absolutely. Because guess what? If we did that, some of you guys would have to be here at 6 a.m. instead of 10.55, right? Why? Because if we had to move stuff every week, then it'd take a lot more of us to do it, right? But, but here's the great thing is, is we know that when we show up for Sunday school, show up wherever, then, then we know things are set and we know people are going to be there and the AC is going to be on and it's going to be an incredible time. But none of those things are need. You see, God will always take care of your needs when you seek his kingdom and you're living righteous. Does it mean you won't go through tough times? No, you'll go through tough times. Matter of fact, Paul said, consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever temptation and trials come upon you. You know what that means? They're coming. Our relationship with God has got to be our number one priority. We've got to seek God. Listen, you want a better marriage? Seek God. You want a better relationship with your kids? Seek God. You want a better relationship with your, with your coworkers? Seek God. With your boss? Seek God. Success Magazine published an article on three mistakes that most people make when setting priorities. First one is that they don't think about it. How many of you would be honest enough to say this week, I didn't think at all about what my priorities are. Like you didn't go, okay, this is my number one priority this week. Anybody do that this week? Not do that? Okay, see, there's people that didn't do that. Second thing they do is that they make it way too complicated. They make priorities way too complicated. I'm in the Army, and the way that the Army operates is things called operational orders. Op words for short. The thing about the Army is they'll take 20 pages to say something that could be said in two sentences. You're going to go in and destroy and leave nothing behind. Or you're going to do this training and it's going to help you get ready to deploy. How many of you guys think that's pretty narrowed down, very easy to understand? But they'll take and they'll expand it and make it 20 pages long so that most people can understand what's going on. 
It's another reason that people fail at this, at setting priorities, is they make it too complicated. And the third reason, and I thought this was most interesting, is that they don't live their priorities. They don't live their priorities. So they don't think about it, they make it too complicated, and they don't live the priorities that they make. You see, seeking first the kingdom of God is a pretty simple priority, but it's difficult to live this priority out. Why? Because life happens. And everything else is way more convenient than seeking God. Can I tell you, it would have been way more convenient and easier this morning to sleep in rather than get up and come to church, right? You know, I wouldn't have even tried, I wouldn't have had to try that hard. I could have just laid in bed. That's not true. I've got three like young kids. I wouldn't have been able to lay in bed, but it would have been easy to just stay at home. It would have been convenient to not have to get out of my pajamas. See, the world makes not following and not seeking God very convenient. You want to try this? Decide to show up to church 15 minutes early and see if the world doesn't make it really convenient for you to be late. Do you say that God is your top priority, the very object that, that, are, that your world revolves around and not live like this is true? Do you say God is your top priority and not live like it's true? It's easy to say that God's number one in your life, isn't it? It's a very different thing to live it out. Oh, yeah, I put God first. Really, what'd you do for him today? Well, I thought about him. Good job. Way to go. I'm sure that impacted the kingdom. Do you say that God's your top priority and not live like it's true? You know, if you do that, you know what that makes you? A hypocrite. We like to use that word when talking about others, don't we? But we definitely don't like it when that word's used about us, do we? You want to get under somebody's skin? Call them a hypocrite. See if they don't get fired up, even if it's true. But listen, if you say that God's your number one priority and your life doesn't match it, just quit saying that God's your number one priority and be real with yourself and be real with others. Look, God's not my number one priority. My number one priority right now is is my job making lots of money. Okay, I'm glad you've finally been truthful with yourself because everybody else already knew it. On the social media platform, Yahoo Answers, the question was asked, why are priorities important? And the top voted answer that was provided was simply, a priority is something that is important. It's a really simple statement, isn't it? A priority is something that is important. You can say something's important all day long, but if it's not actually important, it's not important. You can give it all the lip service you want, but if there's no follow through, then it doesn't matter. You can say you love your spouse all you want, but if you treat them like trash, will your spouse feel love? No. You can say that you love Jesus, but if you're going out and doing the things that the world does and you don't look anything like what Jesus looked like and you look exactly like what the world does, guess what? I would venture to guess that God is not very important in your life. We all have priorities, don't we? We should. I have priorities. My number one priority is my relationship with God. I spend time with Him every day. It is my goal to spend time in His Word every single day and to spend a dedicated amount of time in prayer to him every day. Do I sometimes miss it? Yeah. Why? Because I'm not perfect. I know some of you thought I was, but I'm not. Listen, there's a lot of things that we treat as most important, though. Sometimes it's sports. Sometimes it's our spouse or our kids or work or our family or it's play or it's vacation. Those things are important, but are they the most important? The only question is, are you treating the most important thing with the most importance? Are you treating the most important thing with the most importance? If my wife is the most important woman in my life, then she should be able to know that, right? Of course. But if my wife is the most important woman in my life, you know who else is going to know that? Other people, other women will know that my wife is the most important. You know who else will know that my wife is the most important? My mom. 
I have a great relationship with my mom. But you know what? When I said I do to my wife, the most important woman in my life went from being my mom to being my wife. Just like for my wife, I'm the most important man in her life. When we got married, it went from being her father to me. Now, her, it took her a little bit more time to make that transition, but it got there. Why? Because you put what's important in what's important to you first. You want to know why I don't miss Sunday mornings? And you want to know why my family doesn't miss Sunday mornings? Because it's the most important gathering that we've got all week as a church. You want to know why my family doesn't miss Sunday mornings to go ride a jet ski? Listen, I love riding jet skis, and I love being out on the lake, and I love having fun. But can I tell you, we don't miss Sunday morning church to go have fun. You want to know why? Because I want to teach my sons and my daughter that the most important thing is their relationship with God and that church becomes a priority in their life. Why? Because Scripture says, forsake not the gathering together with believers. Now look, some churches have Saturday night services. And you know what? If we were at a church that, that had Saturday night services and you wanted to go to a Saturday night service instead of coming to a Sunday morning service, guess what? Okay, cool. You were still in church. But it's important. Why? If we were going to be really honest, it's at church where your kids learn to worship. It should be the house, but most of the times, it's at the church where your kids learn to worship. It's at the church where your kids learn to pray. It's at the church where your kids learn to be in the altars and learn to wait on God and learn to sit in God's presence. Now listen, those things we should be teaching them at home, but most of the time we have relegated that to the church. Do we like that? No. But as pastor, do I understand that, that some people have relegated that responsibility to us and we're going to do the best we can to shepherd those moments? Yes. So we're going to make the main thing the main thing. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing. You ever not kept the main thing the main thing, and all of a sudden your priorities got all out of whack, and before you knew it, you were doing something that you didn't care anything about, and it, truthfully, it wasn't even a priority at all, but it sucked up so much of your time, and you looked at it and you go, how in the world did I get here? You got there because you did not keep your priorities in their proper place. Anybody else a list person? You make lists of your priorities? and the things you have to get done, I'm a list person. So every day, I write down my priorities. I write down what's most important. And you know what I do? I don't start at the bottom of my list and work my way to the most important thing. You know what I do? I start with the most important thing and do that first because if I don't do anything else, at least I took care of the most important thing. Truth is, many of us work on the easiest thing instead of the most important thing. But sometimes it's not the easiest thing that's the most important thing. Listen, you want to make God the number one priority in your life? Try getting in His Word. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. And you're like, well, pastor, I'm not a morning person, so I'm just going to read my Bible at night. Okay, cool. If that's you, awesome. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to have a rough day at work or at school or in life, and you're going to get home, and you're going to be tired. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to sit on the TV, and you're going to eat. eat wait, don't sit on the TV. That'd be really awkward. You're going to sit on the couch watching the TV. That's what I meant to say. And then you're going to eat dinner, maybe. And then you know what you can do? You're going to lay in bed, and you're like, oh, man, I forgot to read my Bible. And so you open it up, and you're reading it. But today's reading is, is in Numbers. Right? And you fall asleep while you're reading your Bible. God's not your number one priority. Look, the enemy's going to do everything he can to do to get you busy, to keep you away from your number one priority. But if you make your number one priority your number one priority, guess what? Nothing else can take you from it. You've got to keep the main thing the main thing. The question becomes, will you do that? Or will you continue to allow everything else to dictate how you spend your time? Listen, time is one of the most precious commodities that we've got because once it's spent, you can't get it back. And listen, 
you're going to either waste time or you're going to spend time. We're really good at wasting time, aren't we? Anybody have Facebook on their phone? Time waster. We're great at wasting time, but we're not so good at spending time. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, it's easy to sit down and, and waste time doing nothing, but, but are you actively spending time with your family? Are you actively spending time doing the things that matter? Are you actively spending the time in the relationships that you need to spend that time with? Are you doing something more than just letting time pass you by? Question very simply this morning as Ashley comes is what is the number one priority in your life? Is it God? Maybe you've said it's God and the truth is it really hasn't been God. The truth is you, you, you've said time and time again, yeah, I'm living for God. God's my number one priority. But, but if you were to be really honest, who is like number two, maybe even number three, five, or 15 on your list of priorities? What are you going to do about it? Here's the thing. I can't make God a priority in your life. Listen, if I could do that, we'd have the most spiritually mature church in the entire world. And everybody would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And everybody would be serving this community and reaching our neighbors and spreading the gospel every chance we've got. But listen, I can't make you do that. Because trust me, if I could, I would. But that's a decision that you've got to make on your own. It's a decision that, that your parents can't make for you. It's a decision your spouse can't make for you. It's a decision that only you can make. The question becomes is, will you make that decision to put God first? This morning's altar call is in two pieces. Maybe you've never put God first. Maybe you, God has never been a priority. You've never followed him. You've never accepted Christ into your heart. You've, you've never surrendered your life to him. And today you'd say, Pastor, I want to make that decision to follow Christ and to put God first in my life for the first time. Maybe you've said it a bunch of times, but you've never actually done it. And today you want to make that commitment. That's the first portion of this altar call. The second is maybe this morning you've realized that that you've said God was number one. But the truth is maybe he's really second or third or fourth. Maybe even tenth. It doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus and you don't love God and you're not trying. But it just means that life has gotten in the way. And it's time to readjust your focus. And to get back on track with God. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand and every head bowed, every eye is closed. This morning, if you'd say, Pastor, for the first time, I want to make God the number one priority in my life. I want to commit to following him from this point forward. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand real high. If that's you, today you want to make God first. hands all over the room. Here's what I want you to do. If you just raise your hand, 
I want you to come join me down here in the front. Some of our men and some of our women are going to come join you and pray with you. It's not going to be anything weird, but here's what I believe is, is there is comfort in having people who will agree with you. If you've ever faced a situation by yourself, you know sometimes it can be scary. But when you know somebody's there with you, it sure makes the journey a lot easier. So if that's you and you just raised your hand and you said, today I want to make Jesus the priority. I want to make God the priority for the first time in my life. I want you to step out from where you are and come join me down here in the front. Real quick. Sherry Delbert, if you guys will come join this couple here. Anybody else? We're just going to pray with you. This morning, maybe you fit that second category. This morning, maybe you fit that second category. Maybe you've said that God was number one, but the truth is he was number two or three or maybe even ten. You still love Jesus, but man, you've just realized that you've got to make him the number one priority. It doesn't mean that you're in sin. It doesn't mean anything like that, but it just means that today you're going to refocus on him and you're going to make God the number one priority in your life. If that's you, I want you to step out right from where you are. Come join me over here in this altar. Come on right now, because I know there's people here that need to make this commitment. It can be young, it can be old, it doesn't matter. But if today you need to refocus and begin to make God the number one priority, I want you to step out. Don't be afraid of what people will think. Because the truth is every one of us have had to make this adjustment at some point in our life. Anybody else? God, we thank you for these men and women that have made this decision today. God, that that maybe for the first time they've said that, that they're focusing on you, God, and they're committing to following you. God, and we are so excited and thankful for them. But God, we are just as excited for those who have said today, God, that, 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 that something else has snuck in and become a priority in their life instead of you. So God, we thank you today for them, God, that they were willing to come and say, God, I need to make you a priority in my life again. God, we pray that even today, Lord, as they are seeking you, God, and seeking to make you number one in their lives again, God, that you would reveal yourselves to them. God, that they would feel your presence in a mighty way. God, that this time something would be different. God, that that it wouldn't be the same old thing once again, but God, it would be something radically different. God, for those who didn't step out, but God, in their hearts, they knew they needed to be here. God, we pray that they still make that same decision. God, who... 
Help each and every one of us, God, to put you first in more areas in our life than we did yesterday. God, our entire goal is that we want to look like you. God, and that's not always popular because sometimes that means we don't speak. Sometimes it means that we stand up for those who can't speak for themselves. Sometimes it means that we're going to be hated and dejected and rejected. And sometimes, quite frankly, it even means death. But God, today we can say that we commit to you. When we make this commitment to look like you, Lord, as long as we know that you'll walk with us. God, and we know that everywhere we are, you are here with us. So God, give us the strength and the courage to stand when no one else is. God, give us the courage to speak when everyone else is silent. God, may we be the voice that you use to this generation. God, to speak truth in love. God, use each and every one of us this week. God, to reach those around us. God, even those that we don't like. God, even those that we don't think deserve it. God, because it's not about me, but it's about you. Lord, we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said.